friends. Welcome back to Muscle Maven Radio. I'm your friendly neighborhood podcast host, Ashley Van Houten. Thank you for being here. Today, I have another inspirational guest, somebody that, um, you know, I think reminds us all that great things can come from small ideas, humble beginnings. Um, I think that it's easy for a lot of us to get weighed down in how can one person make a difference? How can I make a difference um, with some of the things that we care about in the larger world, right? If we're talking about the food industry, the farming industry, if we're talking about um, larger social issues, and it can get really overwhelming and we can feel like there's nothing that one person can do, so why bother? And my guest today, Steve Liberati, is an example of somebody who saw an opportunity to make people's lives better and he took it and it started small and it grew and it's turned into something that is really impressive um, and like I said, really inspiring. And it's inspiring for me as I continue to grow my business and the work I'm doing and trying to figure out ways that I can help people beyond what I'm currently doing, um, even if it's, again, a really small, humble way to do it. Um, Because that's how it starts, right? And that's something we talk about in the podcast is that nobody gets to the top of a mountain in a single leap. We have to take a lot of steps and things may feel like they're not moving for a while uh, until they do. And then one small step begets another and another, and then we're doing some pretty awesome things. So Steve is the founder of Steve's. It's a healthy snack food company uh, and also the founder of a nonprofit organization called Steve's Club in Camden, New Jersey. Steve's got a great Jersey accent, so you're going to enjoy that. Um, but it's a small family-owned business. He started it in 2007 when he saw this opportunity to make a really positive impact in his local community. Um, so the nonprofit provides fitness, nutritional guidance, and personal development to at-risk youth in the area. Um, and so the company was sort of created after the nonprofit, where he started experimenting with some of these like no-sugar jerkies and granolas and some healthy paleo keto snacks. And people were like, hey, why don't you sell this? He did. And then the proceeds um, started going back to his club and it's kind of just grown from there. So I'll let him tell you kind of more of the story, but we really talk about some of the business side of things, how it's grown. He used to be called Steve's Paleo and now he's just Steve. So we talk about a little bit of branding and business stuff and how to keep a company going when you're really kind of founded on the principles of nonprofit philanthropy. Um, so we talk about that stuff, but we also talk about the importance of teaching and encouraging young people, kids and teenagers to think about, care about healthy living and eating. Um, as I'm sure everyone listening knows, this stuff gets harder and harder to change and adjust. You know, the longer we're used to one way of, of being, the harder it is to kind of change those behaviors. So teaching kids to, to empower themselves and learn and love movement and healthy eating from a young age is pretty important. Um, so it's pretty awesome. So, and you know that I feel strongly about companies like this. Another company that I have supported for a long time, uh, and they support me is Bubs Naturals, another company that makes, um, great products, collagen and MCT, and they are a veteran supporting business and 10% of their proceeds go to, um, 
nonprofits and that kind of stuff matters because we can make we can make changes with our dollars and with our purchasing power. Um, so where we decide to spend our money does make a difference over time. Um, and in small ways, if we all do it, that can really kind of turn a tide. At the end of the day, if you're going to be buying nut butter, beef jerky, collagen, what have you, from someone, why not buy it from a you know family-owned business that is transparent, that cares, um, and that gives back, right? It's kind of a no-brainer. So anyway, I hope this episode makes you feel great, is inspiring, gives you some food for thought. Um, as always, if you have any feedback, suggestions, want to connect with any of my guests, uh, have podcast guest suggestions for me, anything, I am an open book. I would love for you to reach out to me. Uh, you can do that on my website, ashleyvanhouten.com or Instagram at the muscle maven. And without further ado, here's my chat with Steve Liberati. All right, Steve, we're recording. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you for being with me on Friday afternoon when, you know, let's be real, it's a little bit harder to focus. So I appreciate you taking the time. Hi, Ashley. Uh, thank you for having me today. I'm very excited to be to be on this podcast. And I'm always happy to get uh, a new accent, a New York accent, um, you know, New Jersey accent. Uh, my my actually my both of my parents are from New York and New Jersey, but we all kind of have this like nothing accent, which I think is not really that fun. Um, so <laughs> I always like having accents on the podcast. So I appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, OK, I'll, so I'll do my best. So it doesn't come up too much. <laughs> No, I like it. I like it. Usually when people get like more excited or angry, the accents come out. So we'll see what happens during the course of this podcast. Um, so I've been a fan of your your products, your company for a really long time. I actually feel like you guys are like kind of the OGs in like, well, you so you went through like a bit of a rebranding, right? Because it used to be Steve's Paleo Goods and now it's you, you rebranded it, right? Yeah. So we dropped Paleo Goods and now it's just Steve's. Okay. And- yeah. Tell us, like, we can work backwards, but tell me maybe why you decided to do that. Is it just because you were kind of expanding your product base or you just felt like paleo didn't necessarily kind of describe what you were doing anymore or? Yeah. So, I mean, it really kind of started with, um, I mean, the, the main, the main reason behind dropping it, um, was just to broaden our reach. So over the years, as we expanded our customer reach going into retail, um, and just, you know, just kind of talking to customers online, we found that our products extended way beyond just paleo. So in the beginning, you know, paleo was a diet and it created this awesome movement, um, encouraged people to eat clean food. Um, but then over time, it kind of has evolved, as you know. Yeah. Um, so it's no longer I'm on the paleo diet per se. Um, and it's more just like code word for, yeah, I eat clean. I try to avoid processed foods. Right. Um, so we didn't want to limit ourselves to just a, a tribal type of eating where somebody that in order for them to enjoy some of our snacks, they have to be on the paleo diet per se. Yeah. Yeah. It is kind of too bad how, like, I feel like some of the branding and language that can bring people together at the beginning is sort yeah. of what limits it ultimately too. Um, did you change any of the product? Did you, you added maybe some products that weren't technically paleo? Did you change any products or was it really more just about like being more inclusive in the way you communicated? Yeah. So more just being more inclusive. Yeah. Um, the products are the same exact product, the same recipes. Um, 
now they're, you know, classified as keto, uh, but a lot of our products have always been keto. Um, So yeah, a lot of it, you know, is uh, I think just as the industry and the whole market has blown up, which is, you know, it's a good thing, but I think it has also created just the marketing around it, Um, you know, and, and, you know, it's, I think it's, like I said, it it drives people to, um, it helps them eat better, stay focused on a diet per se, or, you know, a lifestyle or way of eating. Um, but it's also, it could be limiting as, you know, as you said. Yeah. Yeah. I've struggled with it a little bit too, because, you know, I, one of the ways I found out about you guys is through working with paleo magazine, um, which they're going kind of through their own, I guess, growth or rebranding right now. I'm not really like privy to what's going on over there right now, but I originally had hosted their podcast, paleo magazine radio, and it was a great podcast. I got a ton of awesome guests. They weren't always necessarily paleo. It was more just like health focused, but I did always feel sort of a little bit restricted by that because if I had somebody on who was talking about something different or, or like, wasn't talking about diet at all, people would be like, okay, but like, is that paleo? And that's sort of the whole reason that I rebranded. And this, this podcast is now just my own and I can have whoever I want on. Cause I think it, it, is able to broaden it more. Um, but it also then you fall into the trap of, especially the way marketing and, and, you know, promotion and stuff goes now where it's like, you almost always have to have an angle or like a shtick or something, or else people don't know how to find you, which is unfortunate because it's one of the things I talk about a little bit with, um, just overall health and like coaching and approach to improving health is like, if we just talk about, the basic principles of like eat real food, move your body, go out in the sun, get some sleep. Like everyone's like, boo, that's not sexy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to hear that. I I want you to tell me about keto or I want you to tell me about like, you know, fast my way to health in three weeks. So I do find I struggle with that. Like, did you guys, when you um, did this sort of rebranding, was it smooth? Did it immediately kind of help things? Was it kind of rocky? Like what was that process like? Yeah, no, you bring up, I mean, bring up some good questions. Um, Just the overall, I guess the the branding, you're right. Like sometimes if you're just, you're, if you're for everybody, then you become for nobody, you know, like I guess in a, you know, in a training world, it's like, everybody wants that specialist, you know, that, that person that can, all they do is help me get a better power clean. Or that one person, you know, they, they're the keto specialists and, you know, they have found all their success on keto. Mm-hmm. I think people like to have that, that real specific, like, um, specialized advice. Um, even though we know, and you know, a lot of times it's, it really is, it's more simple than we make it. Yeah. Um, for us, like the branding has been a little challenge because we do want to stand for something. And it's like, if we're not paleo, we don't have this paleo flag, you know, in, in front of our, in front of our name, like who are we? What do we stand for? Um, and I mean, I think at the end of the day, um, you know, what we like to perceive and, and uh, portray ourselves as is, you know, obviously clean food, um, really, really just trying to push people to eat more real food. I, I mean, the snack industry has blown up. Um, there's a million snacks. Everyone does a little something better. This one has no sugar. This one has um, sh- artificial sweeteners our thing has always just been eat real food. And, you know, when you're on the go, you could supplement it with some jerky that doesn't have fillers in it. It doesn't have a bunch of artificial sweeteners, just real clean and simple. 
Yeah. Um, so that's like, you know, from a food standpoint and then from a food, you know, from our food company and then overall, just who we are, um, we're still immersed into, you know, giving back into the community. So that's a, that's a big part of who we are. And fitness has always been a part of our company. So a lot of other food companies, you know, they have, everyone has their history, whether it's focusing on the quality of the products, the artisanal side of it, handmade. Um, we have a strong background in just the way, the way the company started and then just like who we are and the, everyone that works for the company, um, fitness is, is a big part of our company. Yeah. I bet you guys have some fun, like, uh, employee hangouts and retreats and stuff, a lot of weightlifting involved. Okay. Let's go back. We are lucky to have a gym in our, in our office. So, well, when I had a call, uh, a call with, oh my God, I'm forgetting Jackson, Jackson, who's awesome. Uh, he, of course we had like a video call from the gym. I'm like, dude, this is like a pretty sweet setup you got here. Like that's your office. It's not bad. Um, and he's anyway. much stronger and fitter than I am just, uh, just to put it out there. So for the record, well, it, it's, it's pretty, I mean, but there is something to be said too, for having com- like a company or even just coworkers or working with people who, um, that's a focus and that's a priority because it's like that whole, you don't, you don't want to be the best person in the room, right? Like you don't want to be the fittest, smartest, strongest, most successful person around. Cause then you're just not hanging out with the right people. Right. So it's Agreed. good. It's good to have people who humble you and make you work harder. Exactly. Um, tell us about how you started. Tell us about Steve's club. Cause that's like really kind of the, the reason why this company exists. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, it seems, I guess forever ago. I mean, it was in 2007 is when I started Steve's club. Um, so, you know, a few years back, um, so I was working as an exterminator for my dad's uh, pest control company. So I was killing bugs in Camden, New Jersey. So I um, a lot of roaches. College. What's that? A lot of roaches. A lot. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I had some uh, quite some experiences that I could share. I bet. Um, but yeah, so I went to went to University of Delaware and you know studied economics, and I thought I was going to have a career in finance. So I came out working for a big bank, and um, worked there for like two years for Citigroup. I had a nice fancy title on my business card. I had the suit and tie. The parents were proud. Um, so, uh, yeah, I just, and then I quickly just found out that wasn't for me. I felt like I was on like a corporate treadmill. Um, there's everyone there was just a lot smarter than I was. I, I felt like they were willing to stay till nine o'clock at five o'clock. I was, I was ready to jet out of there. I wanted to go home, work out, uh, start working on some side hustles and some side businesses. Um, I had a lot of other, you know, other, I guess, uh, passions and interests that I want to follow. So quickly realized that wasn't for me. And I started working for my dad's uh, business and he had a successful business. So I figured I would, uh, you know, eventually take over the company and, and delegate and, you know, have a nice office job, tell people what to do. Um, but on the first day, he said, first day I started working with him, he said, you, you, I'm going to give you a route. You're working in, in Camden, you know, and you're going to work on the street and you're going to learn business from the ground up. So that was a little, a little surprise. I thought I was, uh, you know, starting in the office per se. Um, but you know, that's, you know, I think that's just part of, that was part of his, uh, his approach. He wanted me to learn from the ground up on the job training. So I was working in Camden and I got to meet a lot of kids while there. Um, and to my surprise, you know, there was just so many good kids, um, despite the environment around them. I mean, between, drugs, violence, gangs. Um, I mean, I grew up in the suburbs only 20 minutes from Camden and I just heard all these stories about Camden. Um, never really, I was never, I never went there. Didn't have any reason to, 
Um, and it just got to meet a lot of kids. And I was just amazed at how many good kids there were that I could relate to that reminded me of growing up. They're into sports, you know, they're ambitious. They're looking to go places, energetic. Um, they're trying to make things happen. And um, so I'm like, I got to do something here, you know, something to bring these kids together. So I started a little fitness club. Um, I asked, so we were, we were servicing a an apartment complex. It was a section eight, uh, section eight housing complex in North Camden. And um, I got to know the apartment manager pretty, you know, I got friendly with her just from going there every week. And I asked her if I could borrow some space in the community center. And I mean, it was a small room. Um, and I asked her, she's like, you know, what do you plan on doing? I told her what my plans were. And she looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, there's no way you're going to get a group of kids. And if you do, they're going to be, it, it's just going to be a lot for you to handle. I said, well, let me give it a try. Um, so I spread the word, passed out some flyers as I was knocking on doors. Um, some of the kids that I were, that I talked to as I was walking around, you know, just asked some questions. I told them what I was up to, I was going to do a little, start a little workout, a little group training. Um, told them a little about it. it was CrossFit, you know, when this was like completely underground, nobody was doing it. Um, nobody knew about it. So they joined me on a Friday. I set up some music. I had a whiteboard, brought some equipment, real basic, just maybe some kettlebells I had in my house, some dumbbells. Um, told them what we were doing, explained to them like a little about the, the program. And um, it was three, two, one, go. And it was uh, the room just kind of the whole energy, the whole vibe. Uh, you know, I spent some time, you know, showing them the movements. We didn't just like, you know, I wasn't doing anything too crazy. Um, and that was like, it was maybe six kids that first started. And then the following week, I said, uh, we'll, we'll start with like two days a week. The following week turned into like eight kids. And then the next week they, they invited some friends. And before we know it, the whole room was packed. Um, and then we had kids waiting outside, you know, a few months, not, 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 not much later. And there, uh, I told them I can't accommodate all the kids. Like there was just too many. So I made like two classes and I, we did that for some time. And then it became challenging with the equipment. We had to put everything in a closet and I was, uh, putting stuff in my truck, bringing it back and forth. Um, so, so then we eventually outgrew the space and then we went around, we went around the city and I was able to find, uh, somebody that let us use some space. Um, and then we did that and that's how the kind of the club, that's how it started, Steve's club. And that's kind of how the, the club started growing. And it's still going. It started in 2007. Yes. So it's still going. Um, so when did you decide to like, this is getting real and legit enough that we need to do some other things to support this. So let's start a company where we're going to sell some healthy products and that's going to help support this other thing. Like how did that come together? Yeah. So a lot, kind of a lot happened in between then. So it was that I, um, so then we had, we rented some space and then I, um, then I was like, you know what, this is something I really love to do. Like I, I'm really enjoyed doing this when I'm, when I was working during the day, you know, exterminating, that's all I was thinking about. I was thinking about programming, thinking about how I can make the class better how I can help these kids improve, went home. I was just soaking up as much information about fitness as I could, getting certified, um, you know, on message boards, asking questions, um, just really like immersed into the whole entire, just, you know, I got the fitness bug and I went to share it with others. Um, and I found like the right, I felt like it was the right audience. Like the kids were definitely like they were, they were engaged. They, they, they want to learn. 
So it was super exciting. So I said, you know what, maybe I could uh, make this a, like a career um, and just run a nonprofit's really, you know, really challenging and it's still small. Um, so I decided to start a, a for-profit uh, gym, uh, CrossFit gym, and it was called uh, CrossFit Tribe. So I started it in the local park um, at Cooper River and I bought some sandbags at Home Depot, uh, kept it very simple. Um, and that took off. The people, they loved it, loved it. So before we know, we had tons of members at the park, tons of people showing up. And it wasn't long before I said, let me see if I can marry these two together somehow. So then I found a spot. We rented some space where the both both of them were adjacent to each other. So I had Steve's Club on one side with its own entrance. And then the for-profit CrossFit gym uh, was on the other side. So my, my plan was that the for-profit would offset the nonprofit and pay for each other and pay for, you know, keep, mm-hmm. keep put the roof, uh, pay for, you know, pay for rent, um, cover expenses and all. So we did that for, for a number of years and it worked great. Um, the members across the tribe, they got to meet the kids. They were seeing the work that we we're doing on the other side. Um, it was, it was awesome. Sometimes they did workouts together. Um, I hosted, I had like career days where I had some of the members come in from, from the CrossFit gym and they would explain what they do to the kids. Um, and this is, so we, so I, I, I forgot to mention, we also moved a little outside of the, of the confines of the city. So it was still walking distance for a lot of kids. Um, but it was a nice walk, but the kids that showed up, I mean, they were, they were committed. They wanted to be there. Um, what was the age group? Uh, the, so it was teenagers. Um, at first it was like more younger kids and it started getting a little older. Um, but it was like 12 was the youngest mm-hmm. to like 15, 16. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. And then, you know, word just spread and, um, more kids would show up. I would get like a nice group of kids and then they would go through the program. I'd probably spend a good eight months with them. And then it just, just the way it worked out, I would always have a new group that came in. Like it wasn't even, it wasn't planned. I didn't say your time's done. The ones that were super committed that want to stay, they're welcome to stay. There was no like exit plan. There was no, it was just, you know, an ongoing program Mm -hmm. and it worked out really nice. So then how does that progress to like, do you still have the gym? How did that progress to the food company? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, the CrossFit drive. So I sold that probably about five years, four years ago. Um, it just became too much, too much with Steve's club focusing on the food company. Um, and then while, so while I had Steve's club going and, um, the program was really going strong. I eventually, I decided to put the kids on a nutrition challenge, a fitness nutrition challenge. So, um, the challenge was, and this is a long time ago, so I have to really (laughs) go to the archives here, but, uh, it was basically like, you know, whoever lost the most amount of weight, um, while also keeping up their strength, um, I, I would take them to any place they wanted in our local area for lunch. They could buy whatever they want. Uh, so that was like the prize. And of course, bragging rights more so than anything. Yeah. So I started off with like 11 kids and then within like two weeks, it whittled down to like six. Um, you know, kids were like, it's just too hard. Um, I'll continue to, you know, do my, I'll continue to come to the gym, but this challenge and, uh, you know, I'm not, I don't want to stay on a diet. So we had like six kids. Um, they were, they were really disciplined with, you know, all the, what everything I told them to do, um, you know, give them, tell them to try to eat as clean as they can. And that could be challenging for kids, especially, you know, low income areas. They're not buying their food. 
Um, so they did the best they could. But so the biggest thing they came back to me like, Steve, you know, during the day, I'm bringing brown, uh, I'm bringing food, you know, I'm, I'm going to school and the cafeteria food is just terrible. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's not really, I'm doing the best I can here, but I mean, they're serving us French fries and hot dogs and everything else. So I said, let me see how I can help here. And um, so I, I love to make beef jerky on the weekends. Um, my wife and I, we'd make it just in our kitchen, mm-hmm. more so me. Um, my wife would just put up with it as I had, you know, meat all over the countertop. It was <laughs> pretty crazy. Um, so I do give her credit for supporting my crazy ideas. But so I, I said, you know, what? let me make them some beef jerky and I'll put it in a um, maybe some like dried fruits and some nuts. And it'll be a nice balanced meal, kind of like. You know, I was doing some zone at, at the time, um, but I kind of balanced it out. I figured I'd keep them full for throughout the day. So I put it in a, in a Ziploc bag, um, brought it in, gave it to them. They loved it. And then eventually I put it into, I got one of those a zip, one of those machines at the vacuum seal machines. Yeah. yeah so I stepped it up a little. Um, and then one day we put it on a, in a basket on the, on the counter at the gym and the adults came in and they tried them. They're like, man, these are really good. I love them. And then uh, they're like, you should sell these. So I was like, all right. So on the weekends, I would make all these kits. And I would, every time I put them in a the basket, they would quickly go. Um, the members were buying them like crazy. And then one of the members was like, you should put these online. Um, you know, these are really good. And I, I think people would really like them. Um, so I one day we put them online and uh, it just it went crazy. Like there's a few athletes that picked up on it in the CrossFit community. They made a YouTube video and it just went viral. Um, we had like a, a very basic website. I mean, it was as bobo as it gets. And um, yeah, I think it was Chris Spieler at the time where he did a video and then Jason Kalipa and uh, we just had all these orders come in and that's kind of, that was, that was how it all started. What recommendations, and I know obviously we're all learning and, and yeah. um, nutrition advice is kind of changing even from back then, although some of the principles are still the same, of course, of like real food, you know, yeah. um, but what are some recommendations that you have or that you've picked up over the years um, to advise people who don't have a ton of money to try to eat healthy? Because there really is, I think there really is a problem in the health health and nutrition community, um, around it's like so black and white. It's either like you need to make enough money that you can only eat grass fed meat and organic vegetables all the time, or else you're terrible. Or it's just like, eh, don't worry about food quality. It's really just more about calories in calories out, eat whatever garbage, just don't eat too much of it, which neither of those are really like sustainable or great for most people. Right. And so like some of the advice that I give is kind of just like, when you know the basic principles of like less processed, whenever you can protein first, whenever you can like less preservatives, boxed foods that last for 10 years, kind of stuff. Um, but like making the best decision you can with what you have. So like, I still say, you know, very conventional ground beef is still better than eating pop tarts and Cheetos, right? Like you, people may not like the idea of like factory farming and it's not great, but if that's what you have access to, it's better than giving up entirely and eating, chips all day, right? Excuse me for a brief moment, friends and listeners. I want to tell you about a new show sponsor that I'm very excited to be working with. The company is called Medicine Man Plant Co. 
And yes, the word plant is in there. So you might be thinking again, what's going on with my organ meat eating uh, podcast host who's now seems to be all about the plants? Uh, the reality is I've never been anti-plant. I've never been against plant medicine and plants in your diet. Um, I understand the deep, deep uh, connection that human beings have to plant medicine and how it's something that we have used to treat ailments and treat sicknesses and um, be robust, healthy um human beings with strong immune systems for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. Um, and I recognize that it's important and that's why I've almost always supplemented with some kind of um, uh, plant-based supplement. This company, um, they understand that our culture does tend to have a little bit of maybe fear or trepidation around um herbal supplements, which is kind of crazy um, when you think about how medicalized our society is. And listen, this is not a conversation about um, modern medicine being bad and plant medicine being the only way. I do not believe that. I believe that we are at a beautiful time in life that we have access to all of the resources that we have to make ourselves healthy and happy. Um, but I do think it's interesting that we we don't often ask for the ingredients of the pills at our local pharmacy, but um, we're very, very mistrusting of um, herbal supplements and plant supplements. And it makes sense because in the U.S., we really don't have a, a, a governing body that's actually paying attention to a lot of that stuff. And so sometimes the things that you um, buy and pay for are not the things that you get but that's not the case with this company. They do very rigorous third-party testing to ensure the purity of their products. Um, so what you are paying for and what you are buying is what you are getting. Um, they have a range of products that support different um, processes in the body. The one that I have been using the most and that I really like um, is their immune pill. I was using it throughout the winter when you know your natural immunity is going down because you're not... Well, at least up in Canada, you're not really out in the sun. You're not uh, doing the healthy things that you're normally doing. So their supplement has vitamin C. It has elderberry. It has cordyceps. It has echinacea. Um, all very well-tested products that together can help you um, stay healthy as long as you're doing all the other good things, right? So uh, learn more about this company at medicinemanplantco.com. You can use my discount code, uh, MuscleMaven, of course, for 20% off. Go check out their products. Go have a read. Learn about them. If you have any questions, send me a message. We can chat about it. I'll be putting out more information um, over the coming weeks as we continue to partner together and, um, and try to teach people about some of these ingredients. Um, but I wanted to pass that along to you because I like the company. I like their products. I've been using them and liking them. And so I thought you should know about them as well. So once again, it's medicinemanplantco.com. Discount code is MuscleMaven for 20% off. Go get you some. Now back to the show. So like what kind of advice do you have for people who are like, yeah, I'm trying the best I can, but I don't have access to great food and I don't necessarily have the funds. Yeah, no, it's a great question. We were actually talking a little about this the other day in the office. And, you know, you see memes today. They're like, oh, healthy food is cheap. And, you know, it's it's not uh, it's not expensive to live healthy. And, and it is expensive. Like if you go food shopping at Whole Foods each week, 
it's not cheap. That's not, it's not affordable to everyone. Um, so, you know, to your point, I think, I think you have to find what works for you and it's different for everyone. Um, and there's trade-offs, you know, sometimes I think you're going to have to, you know, you may not be able to get grass fed beef. Um, but you know, if you, if you keep to the, to the basics of avoiding sugar, I, I think, and, and like you're trying to avoid gluten as much as possible, you know, that might not be realistic and that might, might not be within everybody's goals. Um, but I mean, I would say the biggest thing for somebody that, you know, is, is maybe on a budget per se is avoiding processed foods and sugars as much as possible. Yeah. Now, if you know, if you're eating just conventional meat, I think that's fine. You know, if, if you're eating fruit, that's not organic. That's you know, you're, you're well ahead of the curve here. Like you're, you're, you're doing yourself a huge service. Yep. So yeah, like I just think sometimes it's just not, you know, it's not realistic or sustainable um, for a lot of people to, you know, I, I mean, I, I, we, a lot of my money and that's kind of like my priority to me is, is eating healthy and providing our, you know, my family with healthy food. Um, and we sacrifice other things for it, but you know, that's, that's a huge mind mindset change for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, especially, especially just one last point, especially like in the low income areas when processed foods is so readily available. Yeah. I mean, you can go to the local bodega and for five hours, you can get completely filled up. Yeah. You know, you have tasty cake, you have a bag of Doritos, you have a soda, mm-hmm. um, you have all this food. I mean, if you, if you decide to get something healthy instead, five hours isn't going to go that far. Yeah. Yeah. And also, I mean, there's preparation involved. Usually there's time involved. And, um, this is something, you know, I've talked about on the podcast before that we as a culture across all kind of socioeconomic backgrounds, we are used to even people who have tons of money to spend on food. We're used to getting food, and having it be like easy and convenient and quick and, you know, and so that the concept that you would have to take a higher percentage of your income to spend on better quality food and then spend more hours in the kitchen, making it and preparing it. Like a lot of people don't like that idea. They're like, I'd much rather just get this immediately and eat it and it tastes good. So Mm -hmm. I, I get it. And it's like, that's why I think again, and like similar to what you're saying, it's, not trying to be perfect. It's trying to make the best decisions you can. And also, yeah, thinking about where you need to prioritize because some people don't have a lot of wiggle room. Some of us are lucky enough that we can spend a bunch of money on food, right? Um, But whatever kind of budget or wiggle room you have, there are still usually choices and you can try to make the better ones when you can. Um, So, yeah. Um, It's funny. I just recently got on the homemade uh, jerky bandwagon myself because yeah. I wrote a cookbook. I'm writing a second one and I wanted yeah. to try making some, some jerky and I bought a dehydrator and, uh, it's really fun. Like, I feel like most homemade jerky, if you kind of like play around a little bit and know what you're doing, it can be like better than store-bought, but you guys kind of do it differently because I know some of the ones that I've tried and you make a bunch of different products, but some of them are like, and you've got like mixes with like nuts and, and fruit and stuff like that, but they tend to be more like saucy as opposed to dry. How do you do that? You don't tell me your secrets, but like, <laughs> how do you do it? And why do you like that 
that kind better because it's different, right? Like some it's, it's less, um, cause sometimes jerky too can be just like very like too dry, but also like you're chewing it forever. Yours is kind of like a nice balance, but it definitely tends to be more like saucy. Like you said, you've got it kind of like in those, like, um, what's it called the vacuum packed. And it's like yeah. kind of like a little treat, but why do why do you do it differently like that? So great question. So I guess like on making jerky at home, I definitely, you know, recommend that people try it. Um, you can make really good jerky at home. Of course, you know, as we were talking about is just the prep involved. And I think that's what, that's what prevents a lot of people from really living a healthy lifestyle. Like, you know, everybody wants to jump on this quick diet and grab this, you know, this quick bar, but it takes a lot of time and prep and, <laughs> you know, probably more than anyone, right? Like, there's times where I'm late to places and I can't tell them I was making food and <laughs> I was making a pound of ground meat, but you know, just to leave the house on some days is really hard. Like I, if I'm, you know, and before I leave the house, I make sure that I have a good meal that I already ate most of the time. I'm not fasting. And then at, at lunchtime, you know, I make sure that I bring my food, you know, I'm not relying on, maybe I'll just get something else, you know, on the, on the go today. So um, so yeah, the prep part is huge, um, for, for our jerky to answer your question. Let me see if I could still sidestep this. No, I'm just kidding. Without telling us all the secrets, you don't have to tell us the secret ingredients, but it is different. Like it's not, you don't see a lot yeah. of jerky, like, like ready made jerky. That's like yours. Yeah, no, a lot of jerky is, is definitely dried out. Um, there is, I mean, jerky definitely is, is a skill. Um, anybody can make it at, at their house and I'm not claiming we have some special skill and, you know, some crazy recipe. Um, but there are some, like, there's some, there's some skill involved in, in how you make the jerky. Um, not so much like the, what you use to cure or the seasoning, um, but in just like in the cook times and, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, I guess it's hard to say without saying it. Um, our jerky definitely is different, but from day one, like, that's what kind of, that was one of the things that uh, set me out to try to make jerky is like to make jerky where it's more like a steak experience. Um, not so much where it's like dry and you don't want to finish the bag. Um, so yeah, yeah, we're, we'll, yeah, we're proud of the jerky we make. Um, it's not easy. It does require a lot of labor. Um, we, we tried over the years um, to automate some of the process, but anything that we automated, it just didn't turn out right. Like that whole small batch thing, you hear about it and like with IPAs and you hear some jerky companies thrown around and that's like a, you know, it's a good buzzword. It truly does make a difference. Mm-hmm. Um, when you make jerky in like big batches and you get some sophisticated machinery, um, you can definitely like do it more efficiently, but it's not, it's not as good. Yeah. Um, but, and that's, that's why a lot of stuff like you'll find in the stores, I mean, this is no knock on like, you know, most of the store bought jerky, um, but they're making it for the masses. So it has to be, you know, it has to be done on machines. Um, and it's just, you know, it's a different type of product. So we, um, we're, we're not in stores and we purposely, you know, I designed a company to just make product that's freshly made and send it directly to the customer. So so you are just completely direct to consumer online just for jerky only. Yes. So we have, yeah, you know, I've seen your stuff in store. Yeah. I've seen like the, the nut butter and the granola all over the place. Yeah. yeah. So our brainless granola is in stores. Um, we have our, we have, we now have gut shots. Uh, we have a whole line of krauts, sauerkrauts. 
uh, good for your gut. Um, but yeah, so the jerky is made just strictly so we can sell it, make it. It's not sitting on shelves. It's not sitting in warehouses. It's not sitting on trucks being delivered. It goes, we make it and we ship it right to the customer. Mm-hmm. Um, is all of it manufactured like locally, like in Jersey or is it? Yeah. So we yeah. make it all in house. Um, so we have the offices, you know, my office, Jackson's office, who uh, Jackson does sales for us. Um, we have a small team and then, you know, behind us is where we have our team that makes the product that makes the jerky. That's very oh, cool. Yeah. And, and where can people find it in stores around the States now? Um, the jerky, the, like all of the, like the gut shots, the nut butter, all that yeah. stuff. Yeah. So like the gut shots are in, uh, sprouts, they're in Wegmans. Um, the Grandless granola is in whole foods. So it's a lot of different retailers throughout the country. Um, so it's, it's a lot of different, you know, retail stores. We also work with a lot of small mom and pop independent stores. Um, uh, mm-hmm. We work with CrossFit gyms, uh, just, you know, health food uh, stores. I mean, yeah. you name it. So the, uh, the cinnamon nut butter is ridiculous. Uh. <laughs> it's my favorite. Yeah. Jackson sent me like a bunch of products. Again, I, I've, I've like eaten your stuff for like years, but just recently he sent me like a little like care package and that, that cinnamon nut butter is ridiculous. Well. Well, I'm glad to hear you like it, Ashley. Yeah, yeah. So at risk of sounding like a shameless plug here, you know, just listening to some of your other podcasts, I know you're talking about, you know, just the explosion of like other products over the years. And, um, you know, that's one thing I can, you know, proudly say is that we stay true to like our roots of, you know, keeping it clean. Um, they're just, you know, there's so many products out there and there's some really good ones um, that I could definitely like recommend that I buy myself. Um but I'm seeing like a major shift and a major trend towards, you know, food and snacks that are perceived as healthy. Um, you know, they, they have all the branding and, you know, they have all the buzzwords, but they're really not good for you. And I think it's like, it's doing the world a disservice. Like it's, it's dishonest in a way because I mean, people are like crushing so many snacks and it's like, well, it's a like, lack of regulation too, because none okay. of these words mean anything and they don't have to back it up with anything. So yeah. that's the problem because I could literally just like make whatever garbage thing and package yes. it up and say it's all natural and that means nothing. And I don't have to explain myself. Yeah. So it's pretty ridiculous. I see like two main ways that I feel like marketing is misleading people. One is like purposely like that saying like, all natural, healthy ingredients when it's just like a ton of garbage. Um, And then also like what you said when you were like, we're not calling ourselves paleo anymore, but like our products are still paleo, keto, whatever, you know, good for you. Like you'll go to grocery stores and it'll be like paleo trail mix. And it's like a bag of almonds. It's (laughs) like, yeah, guys, we know like it's almonds, like you don't, whatever. but I see like the biggest, I've talked about this before, I've kind of railed against it because I feel like keto is like the new um, buzzword as far as like all the snacks and stuff. Like if you just put the word keto on it, that means that it's going to be healthier. And it, it was the same when everybody started making like vegan cupcakes and stuff. So you're like, okay, vegan cupcakes have to be healthier because there's no egg and dairy in it. It's like, you know what they had to put in those cupcakes to make them taste good because they took the dairy out? Just way more sugar and garbage. Well, what's this remind you of, right? When paleo became paleo-fied, right? When people started making paleo cupcakes and, you know, this somebody's on paleo and they're like, I can't lose weight. And they're eating, 
paleo cupcakes all day or paleo brownies. Well, it's, again, it, it's like the nuance though, because like you can make treats yeah. healthier, like, and that's what that's, you know, that's a version of what you're doing. Like you wouldn't want people to be eating as even though I did when I got the package, you don't want to be eating that granola all day long. It's very high calorie, right? But it's, it's good quality ingredients that if you're going to eat like some kind of like garbage full of terrible like seed oils and stuff from the grocery store this is a better option that doesn't mean it's a diet food it doesn't mean that it's a food you should eat all day every day and i think that's what happened with paleo desserts vegan desserts is people were like this is the same as eating a salad because it's vegan and it's like no guys like you are missing the boat big time here like it's yeah but keto is especially i think um problematic now because Keto foods tend to be, again, like very high fat by their nature, um, tons of added uh, sweeteners, which can be fine, but maybe aren't for everybody. Um, and they're going to be really high calorie, which people don't necessarily pay attention to. But the whole point of keto when it first started was like, get away from requiring eating every two hours or you'll die because you're not like a carb sugar burner anymore. But here's yeah. all these snacks. Here's all these like 300 calorie fat bomb snacks that you now need to eat all day. It's like, if you're, if you're really fat adapted and you're like following this keto thing, you probably don't need to eat fat bombs all day, every day. Like that's kind of missing the point. Anyway. No, it becomes very like, I, I've just seen all the different products and I'm not going to lie. Like I see the reviews. I know products are just like, some of these products are blowing up. Like people yeah. are loving them. Um, and it's just like, we could easily make those products. Like it's not hard for us to make a keto bar with, with sugar alcohols yeah. and call keto and has low carbs. And I'm not trying to claim like, Oh, you know, we're, we're hot, you know, we're better than you. And it, it, that may work for some people, but I think like, you know, to your point, it's like, if you're going to follow lifestyle, if you really are trying to chase, you know, health and fitness and make improvements in your life, like a lot of it is building that relationship with food and it doesn't have to be perfect, but crushing like fat bombs or like you know eating bars all day even if it's a granola bar that we make that's healthy like if you're going to eat five granola bars throughout the day it's not good you're not going to you're not going to get the results or you're not going to meet your goals it's just yeah. i hate to be the bear of bad news and i would love for you know sell more product and somebody to buy a bunch of granola bars but you have it's all within i know this is like in the health and fitness world it's the most probably cliche saying, but it is within moderation to an extent. Like yeah. you have to find that sweet spot, you know, and you have to find that balance. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's like context and it's doing the work to figure out what works for you too, because, yeah. you know, there's lots of conversation about like what sugar is good and what sugar is bad. And, you yeah. know, on one end, there's people who are like fruit is bad because there's sugar in it. And then there's people over here saying like, I basically like drink sugar, like, sugar alcohols all day long and it's fine. It's, there's no problem. It's like the, the answer is probably somewhere in the middle. Some people can tolerate certain sugars better than others. And some of these like completely weird made up like keto chemical sugars can be fine for some people, some people maybe not, and you need to do it in moderation, but you also need to do the work to figure out what works for you. And just because somebody with abs on the internet tells you that this bar is good or this type of eating is good, you still have to then take responsibility and, and try these things out for yourself because ultimately our diets are all, you and I could both say we're whole foods, paleo, low carb, and our diets will still look completely different. Um, 
Well, you said it best. So, you know, it's basically what works for you. And I think that was like the big turning point, you know, as like over the years, it was just like, you can't recommend just one, not, it's not one diet. You can't say go paleo and that's the answer. And that's why you need fitness coaches and you need, you know, some people need to work with, you know, nutritious, not only for the accountability, but everybody is different. Mm-hmm. You know, if you just tell if somebody just goes on paleo, that's not to say they're just going to lose weight. Like there's a lot more to it. You know, they might have some, a lot of different allergies, prior issues. Um, you have to really customize it to each individual person. And then like just keto overall, I love the idea of being conscious about carbs, but you know, some people thrive on carbs. Like I need carbs. I, I tried going carb free and it just, it doesn't work. Like I'm too active. Um, but I'm conscious of the type of carbs I eat. I'm careful of like how much I eat and when I eat it. Um, so I think, you know, it just goes back to, you have to find what works for you. And there's no, like, it's not one, it's not black or white. Keto is good or bad. Paleo is good or bad. It, de- it depends on the version that, that you find that works for you. Yep. So what does Steve's club look like these days? Are you still like quite hands-on with it? How does it, how does it work these days? Well, unfortunately, unfortunately with COVID, it's still, I have not reopened. Um, So we had about a year, right right before COVID, I had a building that was next to where we manufacture our offices. And it was just strictly just a standalone building with a gym. And um, that's what we worked out of. So everything was separate. Um, But within, I ended up selling that building and now we, uh, we joined. So now the gym is part of, where we also make the product in the back. Um, so I'm a little hesitant to, to restart classes until things kind of get a little, little more back to normal. Um, I'm keeping in touch with the kids on a regular basis. Our other clubs around the country are, some of them are still are opening up, um, which is great to see. Um, so I'm like really anxious to, you know, get it going again and, you know, get back to, uh, get back to old times. Yeah. So if, folks either want to help in some way, um, you know, learn more about it, or if there are kids that are local that would want, you you know, to be involved in it, like how do people find out more? Like, is it just like, if we buy your products, you know, a portion of what we're, of what you're making is going to supporting the club, but are there any other things that people can do? And like, how would kids kind of learn more about it? Like when it starts back up again, like how can people learn? Yeah. So we have a, I have a, a blog um, that I still maintain um, Steve's club dot pad. So it's a, it's an old, it's an old one. I don't know if there's <laughs> anybody. Cool. Yeah. Type pad anymore. <laughs> um, so I, I kind of, you know, I, I post updates there. Um, we also have for our national program, um, the Steve's club national program. Uh, we also have Steve's club dot org. Um, so, a lot of folks go there and there's volunteer opportunities. There's different, um, there's different events that we run throughout the year. Um, there's, there's clubs that we have throughout the country. So people um, can start their own. Like if somebody yeah. was somewhere else in the States and wanted to do their own Steve's club thing, they can like work through the the national website and yes, correct. organize through that. Okay. Yes, exactly. And we have folks that, you know, may, they may have like a CrossFit gym and they say, you know, there's some youth in the area that we want to work with. Um, there's all different models. Um, we have some folks that are just dedicated to just working with young kids and, you know, bringing fitness, um, to kids that can't afford it. So there's different models, um, in different ways. 
And then there's like volunteer opportunities just by going to the site for people to get involved. Um, we have a, a growing, we have a strong board. So we're always looking for, you know, somebody that can help us out on, on various fronts. So there's always, there's always a need for, for willing and able people you yeah. know, to really help us. That's very cool. I mean, I, I think that one of the best ways to keep kids just motivated and out of trouble is to give them stuff to do that makes them feel good and that they're learning. And I mean, it's the same as, as adults, because all of us who have been dealing with the pandemic for the last year, we know firsthand how hard it is on your mental and physical health when you are stuck inside, you have nothing to do, you have suddenly, maybe not a lot of people have free time because if they've got kids and they're working from home and stuff, but like they don't have that same outlet of just like moving their body and connecting with other people and going places and like all of those things. It's really tough. So imagine that on top of being like a 13 year old, yes. it's crazy. Like this stuff is so important. Um, so yeah, I mean, I really do hope, you know, especially with like the summer coming and maybe, I don't know, things getting better um, yeah. that we'll be able to open this stuff up again. No, just echo what you said. I mean, this past year has been crazy for a lot of people. It's been extremely challenging, very stressful. Um, I mean, I think humans overall are just resilient. We've found ways to adjust and adapt, but there's still that need for that, that like you said, that community and human connection, people to get together, you know, just smile and laugh and, that's ultimately, you know, what Steve's club, that's what it was about. Like, that's what the gym culture is about. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, I can write up a program and people can do a lot of stuff at their home, you know, by themselves in their basement. You can do stuff without equipment. I mean, there's so much information out there now. Yeah. So you can like get fit. But I think that that big, that big component of that lifestyle, that word that's, you know, overused, but it's truly is a big part of it. In the, and that's part of the buy-in yeah. is, you know, doing it with other people. Um, yep. so sharing the success with others. Yep. Yeah. I, you know, for the first like six months, I was like, I'm disciplined. I have a home gym. Like I'm going to crush this. Everything's fine. It's going to be great. And then like the last 12 months, I was like, get me out of this groundhog day. Like, let yeah. me go to a gym. Let me like hang out with other people and do this. Let's be social about it again. So like, it's great to say, oh, buy some equipment at home and, you know, be disciplined and like prioritize. Like all of that is still true and we're all still doing the best we can. But like it's not optimal. Like it's optimal when you can go and connect with other people and be outdoors and like do the things that really make you happy instead of just like the bare minimum to keep your health going. You know, absolutely. And I think to your like to your point, people will find ways of keep moving they realize the importance of like exercise, but, and I think that's why I like these group uh, training programs have really like orange theory, CrossFit, what's their F45. There's a million of them now. Mm -hmm. I think that's why they took taken off because people want that, you know, they crave that interaction. And it's just something you said when you're doing the workout and you look over and the other person's, you know, suffering just as much yeah. as you are. <laughs> yep. um, yeah. Is there anything that you've done differently um, over the last year since since the pandemic to kind of like support your your health that you maybe weren't doing or weren't prioritizing before, or is it kind of just more of the same? Yeah, I would say I'm um, not not the most exciting, but it's probably more the same. I think I've tried over the years just to be very consistent. You know, find find like a 
find a routine. I mean, I'm not like a super routine structured person, but just in terms of like, just trying to stay healthy, it's challenging. Like I've, you know, we have three kids and now my youngest is involved in sports. So, you know, I'm going every which direction. The weekends are crazy. So it does require, I think a little more, um, it's more challenging. So it requires more preparation, um, thinking ahead. Um, but yeah, so it's, you know, I, I think it's just being consistent. So I haven't really done a whole lot different. Um, and I think, you know, if anything, that would be my biggest piece of advice. Like, you know, everybody that's in the fitness culture that, that, you know, has been doing it for years, like they found what works for them. And it can be intimidating for people that, that haven't bought in. It's like, where do I start? And that's like, that's like their tribe. Like they, they get it. They understand they're, they're doing some stuff that I have no idea, but really you can get real complicated with the programs and there's a lot you could do and there's experts and, you know, you can, somebody could hire somebody like yourself who could really help guide somebody through. But the biggest thing is just being, is really being consistent, consistent. I know sometimes it's like, it's not super sexy advice, but it's like, it's like just the fundamentals do the basics really well. And then you can round it out with the other stuff and it will take care of itself. Completely agree. <laughs> I think that's a great place to end off. And I, I, you know, one thing that I try to say to like add a little bit of hope to that for the people yeah. who, like you said, there are people who are like just starting out or they're restarting because they were doing something and it didn't work. And they're feeling yeah. like so overwhelmed and like they're at the bottom of this mountain. Like, how am I ever going to get to the top? But the answer is you get to the top by taking a step and then you take another step and you take another step. Yes. Nobody jumps to the top of the mountain. So if you are willing to just accept that it will take time and yeah. that you have to care about it every day, yes. you don't have to be perfect and you don't have to be special. You just have to kind of show up for yourself every day. And guess what? In a week, you're going to be better than you were last week. And in a month, you'll be even better than that. And like, that's what health is. There is yeah. no end goal. There's no, okay, I'm there now it's done. Right. Like yeah. we're all still working on it. Yeah. So if you can like kind of look at it that way, it's sort of positive. Cause it's like every single tiny step and decision you make is moving you in that direction that you want to be. Agreed. And I think it's not like an all or nothing thing. Like it's not, I have to go seven days a week. I have to, you know, I have to weigh out all my food. Like you could find what works for you. I mean, even just walking around the block in the morning, like that's, that's the first step. I mean, I bet if you showed a lot of people your program, I'm sure they'd be like, there's no way I'm doing that. Like the amount of dedication, I'm sure that, and commitment and, you know, the, the program that you follow, like, I know that you put a lot of time into it and it's not, it's not realistic for most people, but that doesn't mean that you, that people can't find a middle ground, you know, even if it's as simple as just walking, like you don't have to, you don't even need a membership. Like, I, I don't know how you can make an excuse and say, you can't find time to just walk around the block. <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, like I look at if, if people that I look up to that have training programs that I could never attempt. So if I held myself to the standard of those people, then I'm never going to get there and I'm going to be miserable and I'm never fit enough. Like that's not, that's not how it is. And to be honest with you, I yeah. go through some pretty like hardcore training phases, but the last little while Walker on the block has been kind of <laughs> it for me for a while. So yeah. <laughs> it depends. We go through different phases in our life, but now maybe with the weather getting nicer, I might be able to ramp up some stuff and run up some hills or something. But, uh, and, and that's the thing. Like it's also, it shouldn't be stressful, right? Like you yeah. should, you should find a way of making it, making it enjoyable. 
Like it doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be, oh, I have to work out. And if you're feeling that way, you can, like there's nothing, there's no rule to say that you can't change your program. You can't, you know, not do what you had planned for that day. Try something different. Like it's all about, like I know there's a program that everyone wants to follow, but if you're just not feeling those squats, maybe one day, try to work through it, obviously, but you're allowed to try something different. (laughs) Absolutely. Life is too short to hate what you're doing every day. Exactly. Agreed. Um, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time. This was awesome. Um, I love what you guys are doing. I appreciate it. There's really not a lot of companies out there. I mean, part of what I did for a living was review companies and research and interview people who were doing stuff in the health space. And there really aren't a lot of companies that are dedicated to really helping people um, the way you guys are. So um, I'm glad that you're still doing it. And hopefully, when things sort themselves out, maybe I can come to Jersey and get a workout in and steal Absolutely. some more, uh, steal some more granola. <laughs> yes. We roll out the red carpet for you. No, thank <laughs> you for having me. I love the work that you do. I actually, I ordered your book. So I'm excited to, yeah. Let me know, let me know, make some, make some beef heart jerky. I'm sure your wife will love it. Well, I saw some of the snacks that you made with duck fat. It definitely inspired me. I love the idea. Yeah, like duck fat's delicious. Yes, it's yeah. like incorporating some more healthy fats in your diet. It's yeah, awesome do, so. yeah. Thank you. Let me know. <laughs> let me know what you think when you've tried some stuff. Oh, I will. All right. Thanks, Steve. Thank you, Ashley. Okay, that's it for today. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate you being with me. I would really appreciate you leaving me a rating and review, making sure you subscribed, making sure you're downloading every episode. Um, that stuff really helps me keep this free content going for you. Uh, please feel free to share any episode that you think could help somebody else. That's another way to really pay it forward. Thank you to Steve for taking the time. Thank you to my show sponsors, Medicine Man Plant Co. Um, I'm going to have these guys on the show at some point to talk about some specific plant medicine. Um, We're going to dive deep on some specifics um, and maybe some things you already have in your house that are pretty epic medicinal plants you may not even know about. These guys, they make these formulated herbal supplements that support health and immune function. So similar to companies like Ancestral Supplements that um, desiccate animal products, animal organs as a supplement for you, I kind of go the other way and do that with plants instead because I'm already eating my liver. Um, So their products um, are really kind of interestingly um, combined. They're third-party tested. They've got um, lots and lots and lots of background and research on how these products work together, how these ingredients work together. Uh, And it's always stuff that you can recognize and understand like elderberry, vitamin C, echinacea, cordyceps, all of these things that humans have used for generations to support their health before they had the internet to tell them to do it, just the same way that people inherently knew what to eat on the animal and how to how to eat and, and all that stuff before we had the internet to tell us uh, these these plant ingredients were being used. So it's, it's pretty cool to see how they're coming together. Um, and you can learn more about this company at medicinemanplantco.com. And you can use the discount code MUSCLEMAVEN for 20% off. If you have any questions about their products, you can reach out to them on Instagram or me at the Muscle Maven, and I'd be happy to connect you, answer your questions if I can, um, because I just want to 
just want to spread the love and spread the the health. So um, that's it. Thank you guys for being here. I appreciate you. And I hope you join me next week for another amazing guest. Thank you.